This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Drinks with Rachel. My name is Rachel and uh, tonight... We are talking about all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about uh, really like this season. I know it's weird because this season that we're in is normally Halloween. It's Halloween and there's Halloweeny stuff at school and there's Halloweeny stuff at home. There's Halloweeny stuff in nursery. But those of us who uh, may be uh, dealing with our kids, it maybe it looked different this year. Sometimes, you know, it's all about trick-or-treating, but who knows what Halloween's going to look like depending where you live in the world. And so it can be slightly stressful. Uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what how we engage with some of the stuff. Now, if you're new to our Halloween provision, there is loads on the website. If you're not sure what you think about Halloween or how to talk about evil with your kids or all sorts of stuff. So um, I'm sure uh, Anna or Becky will be giving you links to all the other Halloween stuff to just help you chew with this. But I wanted to get quite specific today uh, because we've covered quite a lot over the past multiple years through the podcast and online. And uh, what... I think is really helpful to think through is really specifics. And so today I wanted to look at the supernatural or the paranormal, depending on which term you like, because it kind of is a thing that is we are surrounded with at this season. Talk about witches and goblins and monsters and zombies and it's all over. And how do we actually talk about that with our kids and and what do we do now this one is particularly we're talking about zero to five so if you have older children fantastic great uh we'll talk about that we talk about five to elevens in the next half hour and teenagers the next but i wanted to sort of look at how we cope with this stuff so as we go through i'm going to add in my thoughts as usual but it'd be great to hear one, how you are and what you think your Halloweens are going to look like. Um, two, if you have any questions that your kids are asking that you think would be really nice to <laughs> have somebody else to attempt an answer that you can disagree with or like. Uh, and also, if you're face facing a situation where you really feel uncomfortable with something and you're just not sure, whatever you're in, we're here as a community to talk about it. And so it would be great to um, talk together about this. So... How do we do this? How do we wrestle with, with the world's view of the supernatural or the paranormal? It's, I'm going to, I don't know which phrase you like. Does, does it matter? I don't know. I feel like supernatural, you're like, you're like, oh, it's, you know, Jesus and healing and stuff. And then paranormal becomes all the like, ooh, weird stuff. So maybe I'll use the word paranormal. Well, I don't know. You decide what you like. Um, this is not just a new phenomenon. Because in the Bible, they talk a lot about it as I was sort of getting my thoughts in order. I mean, if you think about it, if you're reading your Bible to your kid, this pops up a lot. Things like you have the witch from Endor who was talking to dead people and Job's friend who was like, I saw a ghost and 
bones coming to life and people being possessed by demons and angels being prevented from helping people and evil snakes that talk and baby sacrifice and idol worship and mediums and omens and casting spells and like it's been around the Bible for a while. People who love God have had to exist in these and these arenas where this stuff is talked about. And what does that mean for us with these precious, you know, three-year-olds who are trying to exist in this world? How do we deal with this? For me, I know that amongst us, there is a vast theological range of what we think. And uh, so there are some of us who are like, none of this is real and it's just fantasy that I need to explain to my kid. Some of us who are like, there is loads of this stuff real, we need to train our kids in it. And what I'm going to try to not do is to wade into the specifics of theology because you're the parent and you are in your theological traditions and I want you to be free to be you in that. But no matter where we land on that spread, there are sort of three things that I see in scripture that is really helpful for us to think through when it comes to our under fives. So it's this. I'm gonna use, normally I'm downstairs, but they're watching a movie, so I got banned to my office. So we have a way of doing visuals. Uh, So there's this one. The first thing that we see in scripture that can be really helpful to help our kids when we're coping with how we explain the world's view of this paranormal, supernatural stuff is this sense of over and over in scripture we see that we're not supposed to be afraid. It's don't be scared, don't be afraid all the time. God's walked around doing this when Jesus encountered it. He didn't cower in the corner. He wasn't doing what I do. You know, you flush the toilet and run in the dark. There is there's something that is supremely confident about those in God in scripture that we see. And so I think there's this big thing about don't be scared. Now I'm just realizing this might be backwards. If it's backwards to you, <laughs> then I'm really sorry. It says don't be scared. And Maybe, maybe, maybe I can figure out how to write it backwards. Either way, this is going to look less than professional. We're family. We're family. Don't worry about it. It's family. It's late at night and I didn't think this through. Uh, so don't be afraid. And I think what we cope with when we have under fives often is this fear of fear of the dark, uh, fear of, you know, ghosts, fear of all sorts of things. I, I love talking to under fives because they're scared of the weirdest. <laughs> Stuff. I knew a kid who was scared of the ghost of the octopus she saw on a National Geographic program. Like, huh, that is so interesting. And I think there's something about this paranormal thing that, that ties into our children feeling helpless. And so what often can happen is they feel helpless and their world, everything is real because they're still sorting out what's real and what's not real. And so if we're going to wade into sort of the biblical response to all of these things that are around is, is we're monitoring how our kid is, is coping with what they're afraid of. And so one of the things you have severe power with is this concept of real and not real. And our kids are constantly trying to sort out what is real and what is not real. And one of the powerful things we can do is say, this is real, this is not real. The ghost of your octopus is not talking to you, where, you know, where God does talk. And we can we can help them strain that out. And inevitably, their brain is going to get mixed. And so our job is sort of walk alongside of them and be able to constantly name real, not real, real, not real, can be really helpful. Now, what that brings up in us as parents is we're like, 
what do I actually think about these things? <laughs> and some of us have never really had to nail down theologically, what do I feel about paranormal spirits? Mm, I don't know. And if you're still on the fence about that and you're not quite sure what you know, think about and believe, then that's or sometimes it's just a good net step to be like, okay, I'm going to bring that up in my home group. I'm going to do some Bible study. I'm going to talk to the wise people around me and be like, okay, I really think I need to know what I think so that I know what I'm going to frame for my kids. And so if that's something that you're like, question mark about, uh, then, then feel free to explore it or feel free to say to your kid, I'm not sure what I think about that, but this is how I'm going to figure it out because there are answers. And so I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to talk to my friends and let's go on this journey together to decide what is real and what is not real. So that can be real helpful. I also find what's really helpful, particularly in this age group, is that they're trying to figure out what is the structure of power. So they know that you as parents are more powerful than you know them because they see themselves, they're little and weak, and they know that you're like, oh, big and strong. I love that my kid for most of his life, and I'm pretty sure now still thinks I'm one of the strongest people in the world. And you, I love that because they can see you are more powerful. Therefore, they feel safe when they're around you because they know that you are all powerful. Uh, and what can be really helpful to say is that, is that when we look around the world and we hear these things about, you know, scary things or ghosts of octopuses or all these scary things, no matter what you're thinking, God is huge or so much huger than me and so much more powerful than me that there is nothing that he cannot instantly, instantly, without even lifting a finger, deal with. And so if there is anything that makes us feel powerless, we don't need to feel powerful because we have the God who is all power way more powerful than me next to us. So what do we need him to sort out? And sometimes kids need to see that because particularly in this age group, sometimes they're like, good and evil, it's equal. And oh, and if it's scaring me, then nothing can rescue me. And to sort of reiterate constantly, oh, you know who you need in this room, not me. Who you need is the God of all in this room. And this concept of what is more powerful always and forever. Um, if if you're dealing with fear, the book Comfort in the Darkness can be helpful for that three and four year old, well, for the four plus age group, if you're looking at who is God in the nighttime. But, um, but just this constant thing of don't be scared is not just going, ah, don't be scared of that. It's saying, okay, when we get scared, we need some truth to know what's real and not real. And we need to know who is more powerful than all of our fears and how to access him. And so um, the second thing that can be really helpful is this concept of being ready to respond. Again, ready to respond if it's backwards. So sorry. Uh, this idea of being ready to respond. Because often what happens is when you're two, you just need someone to sweep in and rescue you. You need someone, you know, if you're scared of random witches from a book that, you know, isn't there like the witch on the broom, really like nice, friendly, smiley witch, but then can like in your head turn into something terrifying. Kids can find amazingly stuff terrifying. And, um, and when they do that, this idea of I'm powerless and somebody rescue me um, can be so um, fearful, but actually, God himself has said, you are, I am all powerful and I have given you authority. And so to tell your kid, no, God is in you and around you and here. And so, you know, you are part of his family. So if anything scares you, you can say, go away, scary thing. 
in the name of Jesus and, and just sort of give them things to do of how to manage their own fear. And so I knew a, a two-year-old who used to love just reading her Bible. She didn't read, but whenever she'd get scared, she'd just like grab the Bible and just flip through it until she found pictures that she liked and then would just stroke them and would manage her brain because when she got scared, she would run to the Bible because that was truth about God. Or I know other kids who, when they get scared, they have their favorite song about God that they want to play. And listen, because when you get scared, you remind yourself of who's super powerful. And so helping them be ready to respond, whether it's telling things that are scary to get out of my room, because you don't belong in my room. Uh, I, <laughs> I knew uh, one kid who used to draw pictures of things, things that don't belong in my room, only God and mommy and daddy. And she just drew pictures. I think she was like three pictures of only people in a room and anything scary. And there were all these like monsters and ghosts and things that, that made her afraid. And she was like, no, with a big X <laughs> through it. And then if she ever felt like anything was in her room, she'd be like, God says you're not allowed in here. Go away. And that would just make her feel powerful. And she'd put on her music and go for it. And so there's something about um, feeling ready to respond that can be incredibly um, empowering for a kid. So whether it is witches or ghosts or anything, you can feel like you want to explain what those are, but often with three and four-year-olds, it's hard for them to get their brains around the complexity of it. You could just say, well, they don't have the power that God has. God has this much power. And if it ever makes you feel afraid or helpless, you can say, hey, God, come here. And so sometimes it's keeping it simple. Oops, it's keeping it simple in a way um, to do that. So, um, yeah, it's really helpful. Room on a broom, that's what it's called. Um, you used to sit on... <laughs> Allison used to sit on her bed and shout Jesus into the scary darkness when you were little. There is something about that, about something feeling like you can do something about it, not in a helpless way. And I think sometimes we train our kids, you can ask God to take it away. And I think what that can do is make you feel um, like, like, is God going to take care of me or not? When actually yelling Jesus is he absolutely is there and he always will respond and that name is actually scary to anything out there that's what we see in the bible and uh, and so you begin to feel that kind of um feel that kind of power that you can have uh, and so don't be afraid and be ready to respond there is loads more that we could go into uh, but what I kind of wanted to do was to just keep it really, really easy. Um, you can take it around the circle. And so we often talk about the six-stage circle of modeling it. And so that's another thing in the reality of stuff. If your kid is particularly into things like witches or monsters or things, ghosts. I remember um, we, we had a season where he was afraid of ghosts. And uh, and and you're, and when you're like, where did that come from and you have the exposure to other children um, and sometimes you have the the where does it come from question but actually it's just exploring mm, and why is that scary and tell me more about that and when I feel scared of things like that I do this and so create windows into your experiences sometimes what they do is they see you completely unafraid of everything and and that doesn't equip them where otherwise if you go oh I saw something in the corner no go away I'm not going to be afraid because I'm going to sing a song to Jesus just gives them a, a total pathway to see and sometimes they feel unequipped because they haven't seen what you do when you feel those things and so sometimes you may need to do a little bit of a 
performance of what to do when you're afraid or um, or you're watching something that may you think, oh, this is not going to be good for my kid's brain uh, to be like, oh, I don't think this picture is good in my brain because my brain will try to turn it into something pretend and say this pretend is real and uh, you should be scared of these monsters. I don't want that in my brain. I'm going to protect my brain and turn it off right now. And so you're modeling what to do when you see something scary. And so just think what windows can I create? What do they need to explain? What do you need to equip them in? What do you need to create opportunities for them to try so that if they want to try playing music one night, sure, we'll try it. If you want to I don't know, search around the room and give it Jesus kisses. Fine, whatever. Sure, let's try it. Create opportunities for it. And then then you can provide that circle of you two are on the journey of learning how to feel not afraid in a world that says there's lots of things to be afraid of and are not realizing how powerful God is. And so when you begin to sort of um, frame it like that, you can begin to go on that journey together, side by side, of what it looks like. Um. Is there, um, oh, there's, here's a story I'd like to read to you. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for you. And then we, I'd like to jump into some questions um, because sometimes I feel like we give you a lot of equipping on these nights. And tonight I just wanted to be like, you, you got it. Uh, so I'm going to pray. And then I'd love to answer any questions, any comments, any concerns, any ponderings, any situations that you're in. Uh, let's, let's, let's delve here. Uh, and see. So uh, let me pray for you. God, I thank you that you are the God above all, and that in a world um, that cherishes, that seems to cherish the paranormal, the, the powerful, that is so much smaller than you, that is that is an attempt to make themselves powerful, you are the God above all. And you say, I do not want you to be afraid. And you say, I want you to be ready to respond to anything that comes, because I am your God, and you are my child. And God, I pray that you would help us to walk with our kids into empowerment, that they may look at a world that um, that can be confusing, that can um, value scariness and powerlessness, and that we can teach them exactly where you are and what you're doing and how they can be a part of your great plans for the goodness and beauty of this world. I pray that you would give us creativity, that we may see our kids' hearts, and that we may give them next steps, that they may follow you always, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there's a, someone who commented, Claudia, I love the idea you just said. My daughter said to me not long ago that she woke up at night and had a nightmare and she prayed. But as she said, God didn't do anything to help me. And I didn't know what else to do apart praying loud for her not to have those nightmares. Sometimes nightmares can be really tough because you're like, I can't control your brain and you can't really fix it. And so um, what you can do with nightmares sometimes is um, there's a book called Comfort in the Darkness that I wrote that talks about who God is in the nighttime. And that can be really helpful. Even if your daughter's too young to read those kind of stories, it has 16 things that God does for us in the night. And sometimes it is expanding that for our kids. I know... Um, I know some people who like make pillowcases of all of the God's pictures of all the things that God does for us at night. So when their kids wake up in the middle of the night, they can flip it over and be like, God, I want you to do that. Whether it's stand at my door and protect me or whether it's provide for me or whether it's sing over me or whether it's, you know, all of those things that you can sort of know what God is doing. Because sometimes we say God didn't do the one thing I wanted him to do. And therefore, <gasps> 
what happens where sometimes God, we wake up and we have that scary dream and God's waiting for us in a story. He's waiting for us in a song. He's saying, come to me, let me hug you. And so the question isn't God didn't make it stop. The question is, what is God doing now? And then often what I do with nightmares is I say, well, let's tell God a story as we go to sleep again and invite him into our dreams with us. So we'll, we can lay down and you can say, okay, God, here's the story. Once upon a time, there was a story of, you know, because you make up stories all the time, God and Sophie. And God and Sophie were on a great adventure. They decided to go on a boat. And you begin to just tell a story to God. That can be a, just a made-up, fun story of two friends on an adventure. And that sort of sets them up for the dream that they go into. And then you say, okay, God, go into their dream. Because God... God can hear our thoughts, so therefore he is there with us in our dreams. You take God with you into your dreams. And what we've seen is really great stuff of children sort of knowing that they're not going away from God into some place where he can't reach, but a sort of rethink. And also then in that way, you can what makes our hearts feel peaceful? What makes our hearts feel connected to God? How can we find God's peace again as we go back to sleep? And so your journey is about sort of doing things side by side together. Uh we have another question. Halloween images, masks, and decorations are everywhere. Do you suggest avoiding as much as you can? What I tend to suggest is um, framing for kids what they are. Sometimes they're scary because they're surprised and they are in all these unexpected places. And so sometimes it's framing for your kids a season. During this season, people get weird and they like being scared. And I don't know about you, but I do not like being scared. And the things that go in our head are hard to get out. It's like when you get, you know, something and it doesn't come out and it gets stuck. Just like, you know, when I poured wine on my, you know, accidentally fell and it's still stained in there. It got stuck and can't come out. Sometimes pictures get stuck in our minds. And you can have that conversation about, you know, the scary things we saw and things that get stuck in your brains. And so sometimes... Um, it's our job to decide what goes into our brain. And so we're going to walk down a different road today. Or when you see it, we can ask questions and talk about it. Because sometimes it's not knowing that's scary. So why is there a picture of a face like this? Well, actually, that's from a really interesting old painting. And some people think it's scary and they like being scared. But I don't think it's very scary. Uh, I just think it looks like someone singing. Oh! Uh, and so you can make fun of it. You can shape it. You can walk around. So for me, it's about guarding your kid's brain, but also knowing you can't guard it all the time and giving them the ready to respond. So for me, if you see something you don't like, what's going on? Or if you get scared, go, oh, God, that made me scared. I got surprised. Okay, God, <sighs> let's think about five pieces of candy I really like. Ooh. Uh, and so giving them whatever coping skills they need. Um, but I think there is something about guarding their brains, but also letting them know what those are. Mm, I don't know why. Why is there ketchup on that? Why is there ketchup on that knife? I don't know why. Why do people have ketchup? Is this a cooking thing? And you can make fun of it and then they go, oh, ooh, I don't like that. And you can just move on so that you're not modeling fear. What you're modeling is responding to weird stuff you see and how you decide to cope with thinking about that. Um, let's see what else is in here. Um, I'm just looking to my team to see if there's any more questions. Oh, um, uh, our preschool is doing various Halloween pumpkin activities over half term. Should I opt out on principle or is it harmless? That's a great question. Um, I 
you think it kind of depends on if you trust what people are doing and if you're there. Uh, so sometimes people think scary is fun. So let's put on scary stuff for the kids. And I'm like, oh, no, thank you. Because I'm, you don't have to deal with my kid at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Uh, and I don't want that in their brains. Uh, but sometimes you can switch it. So sometimes they're like, come carve pumpkins. And you're like, fantastic. You know what I'm going to carve? A boat. And so sometimes it's creating, it's training your kid a way to engage with things in their own way and feeling completely unabashed by that. No, we don't do scary faces because scary faces are easy. You know what's hard? Recreating our pet. Let's do that. Uh, and so sometimes it's about that. It just depends on whether you trust that environment what they value do they are they valuing let's get together and have some fun and we're gonna you know make spiders and you could be like why are spiders fine i i see nothing supernaturally terrifying about spiders <laughs> so sure let's value entomology fantastic uh let's learn about spiders uh and so it really depends on whether you feel like you can shape it and go and enjoy it and it doesn't celebrate something that makes you think we're celebrating how terrifying things are and how powerless we are in the face of that or if it's just an activity center that you've been trapped in your house for a while and you're like i can i can find a great way forward for this uh and so for me i i for me i kind of depends on what you are like are you someone who likes opting out on principle or are you someone who likes walking your kid through it and helping them figure it out in the midst of it. Uh, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. I think it kind of depends on what you're trying to teach your kid in this season and what kind of kid you have and how they respond to it. Um, another thing, uh, we are trying to avoid supermarkets at this time of year. Good luck. But my neighborhood is going all out on decorating their houses to make up for not being allowed to go trick-or-treating this year. I want to blindfold my kids if you drive around, but I can't. So any tips for approaching us this with a four-year-old? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, yes, I'm thinking. This is my thinking face. I think sometimes it may be depending on what kind of four-year-old you have and how scary this stuff is. Um, if you can't control what they see, then for me, what we, my approach is, if I can't blind it, then I have to so explain it that it stops being scary. Um, if you just be like, don't look at it, it's terrifying, then I either mock it to the point where it just looks silly, uh, so I can look at it in the daylight, because it's always less scary in the daylight. So, you know, go around and be like, I wonder what they, what is this? And why did they do that? And sometimes the narratives are really fun that you can look at. Like, why are they chasing each other? Or, or why is their mouth so open? I wonder, if, I wonder if it's the dentist. It's the dentist house. And so you can rename it all sorts of weird things to take away the, the fear of it. Sometimes what you do is, is we, we lean into how scary it is where we can sort of lean away from how scary it is and sort of go, oh, I wonder how they made that. What an interesting craft. <gasps> we should make one that looks like our family. And so then you can take it as a craft project and that didn't go very well. Or you can take it as a, oh, they're trying to scare people, but I would love to make people laugh. What would it look like? Because I think laughter is more powerful than scare anyway. So what would it look like if we made the funniest one ever and tried to do that? And so you can you can try to sap away the fear by exposing them to it when it looks terrible or when it looks not scary, when it's not surrounded by the music. Um, sometimes also, if you're, you have a four-year-old, you can educate them on what makes things scary. Uh, so sometimes like, 
<laughs> some like Mickey Mouse can have some scary moments. And I'll show show a, a kid, um, if you mute it, it becomes a lot less scary because the music is what makes it scary. How weird that our bodies respond to music that way. And so if you have houses that are playing scary music, then you can be like, ah, oh, that's the music tricking you. Or sometimes, ah, oh, that's the lights because some people think shadows are scary and shadows aren't scary. It's just, you know, shadows. And I can make puppets with shadows, but some people think shadows are scary. So they're trying to use the lights to trick us into being scared. I spot that. And so you can turn it into spot the trick of how they're trying to trick you into being scary. And then you just become the smart people on the block who are doing that. So if you, if you can't avoid it, or if your kid is that kind of kid who would like to figure out all the tricks, then you may want to go down that route uh, to do that. I'm trying to look and see if there's any other, any other things. Right. Fine. I don't see any more questions or comments, but, um, you guys can do this. It, if Once you get this and you get in the groove of this, then this is just it for the next, you know, 15 years of your life is walking alongside your kids and helping them find their peace and find God and find their power in a world that's trying to say the ultimate power is magic and witches and paranormal. But we know that 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 is nothing compared to who God is. And so uh, I just want to encourage you on the journey of that and you can do it. I will talk to you in a month. I don't even know what we're going to do in a month. But uh, yeah, feel free to do that. Oh, and if you're a parent with children, uh, if you're a church leader parent, uh, feel free to join us. Uh, we're doing a parenting as church leaders. So if you're a church leader and uh, you know that parenting as a church leader is a unique and unique old game, uh, then why don't you join us and we're doing a whole day on uh, what it's like to do that and some ways to find it forward. But in the meantime, I love you guys. Have a good season of really interesting conversations and equipping for your kid. Bless you. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.